and welcome to Locked On Astros, your daily Astros podcast. Here are your hosts, Eric the Man Heisman and Brett H-Town Wheelhouse Chansey. We are Locked On Houston Astros, and we hope that you join us for a daily Locked On Astros podcast. My name is Eric Heisman. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Talk Astros. You can find the show at Locked On Astros. Your team every day, and your team is going to a game seven in the ALCS. Anything can happen. And here to tell us what can happen today is Brett. Where can they find you on Twitter? They can find me at H-Town Wheelhouse on Twitter and at Strohs411 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Always positive, always Strohs. And always to give us the inside opinion, Clay Hensley, where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, at chensley32 on Twitter and uh, at Clay Hensley on Instagram. Okay, so obviously the Astros won, but before we talk about that, let's go ahead and just remind y'all, how do y'all listen to Locked On Astros podcast? You can go listen at Google, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast, Locked On Astros. So I know the Astros got the W today, and I know that the offense kind of came alive late, but one of the biggest storyline of the game was what happened between um, – uh, Diaz and uh, from or Valdez um, right. as a pitcher with a three, two counts. What was Diaz upset about? Was he upset the fact that he didn't challenge him or the fact that he threw him a curveball three, two, what was going on there? And Carlos Craya came in and was kind of the um, in between guy. He was just trying to kind of calm things down. So as a pitcher, what are you thinking when somebody gets mad at you for that? They, they, they just had his numbers, all the boys on to. Yeah, I mean, they were getting upset because Valdez has, you know, just been dominating this entire series. But not only that, you know, this game, so much on the line. And that A.B., you know, he's working him to full count. And, look, you got him in a check swing on that. And Tampa had scored a run. They wanted to add on to it. And he goes, you know, 3-2 curveball. And he's thinking he should go at him. But it's just a passion moment. You know, this is a big game, obviously. In that particular instance, you know, I just think that he was just kind of fired up. They're both kind of fired up. And more so, I think it's probably the frustration that Tampa Bay was feeling throughout the day, uh, just with uh, Valdez carving them up, you know. And then uh, the nice thing about it, though, is Correa, like you said, did come out there and speak to him. But, you know, you think about leaders on the, on the field, and a lot of them are, you know, you think about your center fielder and whatnot. But Correa is that leader, and he happens to be in the infield. So he just went out there and basically settled them down and said, look, let them be mad. Let them be pissed off. Keep doing your thing. They're mad because they can't touch you tonight. And that's exactly what he did. He settled down got him to roll over and they got the double play and you could see Diaz tried to take him out at second, but he still made the play and you got a little fist pump by Correa. You know, it just shows the unit that the, the unity that these, this team has, you know, and, and that they're, they're firing all cylinders right now. You know, when they go back and they come back uh, after down three games, uh, I said it when they, when they won that game, we're going to end up, uh, Houston's going to end up pulling it out. Yeah. This game was absolutely unbelievable. That was a huge momentum shifter. And I know that the Astros had already had, had a lead, had some runs. Um, I think Diaz, too. I think he was, A, he was upset and offended, but I think he was trying to light a fire under his team. Sometimes players, and I'm sure, I'm sure Clay, you've experienced this at the high level, you have guys in the dugout who they're like, okay, we need a spark. So if no one else is going to do it, I'm going to step up and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to piss some people off. Like, I'm going to... I'm going to let them know that we're still in this because when they panned over to that race dugout in the eighth inning and the ninth inning, it was like, 
oh my gosh, I mean, you would have thought you were watching a funeral. I mean, that was a far cry from the, from the Rays team we saw that won the first three games of the series, you know, you know, Brett Phillips with the little whiteboard and, you know, all these things. And they were completely deflated. But Carlos Correa continues to not only be the leader of this team, but he is breaking the internet right now. He's breaking Twitter. There are literal fans that have hated him for the last two or three years. They're like, I'm finding it hard not to like the Astros. The Astros, they really got something special. This is a fun team to watch. And I'm like, no crap. We've known that for years. This team has been like that. Correa has come into his own. And Valdez, I'm sitting there thinking, you know what, guys? The Astros may be looking at their future ace right now, their future number one guy. Well, you know, look, here's the thing. He's having an unbelievable postseason. Uh, look, he's 3-1 and one right now with a 188 ERA, and he's holding the postseason opposition, you know, to a 177 batting average. I don't think anybody really saw that coming from him. Uh, obviously, nope. starting off a little bit slow. And like we were talking about earlier when he had his first start, we're talking about, look, he very well could be finishing the season in Round Rock at this time, but short season, needed some starting help, and he came in and he's done the job. And like I said, that first start when he was pounding the zone with fastballs with two strikes, that says a lot to me. He's not scared out there, and his composure, he's calm and collected. He hasn't been rattled. He didn't let Diaz rattle him uh, tonight during the game. It's one of those things that I think that going into next season – it's probably a little bit too early to talk about, like, you know, if this is going to be one of your frontline starters, he's definitely given himself an opportunity to be, you know, one through three coming into next season. But right now, they're not even thinking about that. Valdez isn't even thinking about that. They're thinking about tomorrow. Each game matters. Each pitch matters. When I was with San Francisco, we had our back against the wall uh, against Cincinnati. You know, we were down two games. We went into Cincinnati. We needed to win out. And um, Cincinnati at that time hadn't been swept at all at home the entire season. And we were going to go in and do that. And the, the amount of, I guess, camaraderie and, and picking each other up, uh, you know, never say die attitude. I'm seeing a lot of the same thing with Houston right now. And that's one thing you can say whatever you want to about this ball club. You can say, you know, the, you know, the scandal, this and that. You're not really hearing a lot about that right now, you know, because you can't there's there's nothing that can be scandalized in terms of resiliency and the way these guys come back and play. they're not cheating nobody's even talking about this at this point they're talking about wow you know what they they had the the little bit of a black eye you know for the better part of uh you know most of the country they wanted to kind of back whoever was going to be playing the astros and they've done their job they've gone out there and they silenced them especially in a situation like this you know being the second game or the second team in postseason history uh to come back down three games uh is pretty special it's something that they're probably going to take into the to tomorrow night and uh i see him pulling out of this thing that's why i thought that game five was the critical game i thought that was a game it was a bullpen game it was a game that it was kind of basically um a pick em. and anybody could have won that game but the astros right. did what it took yeah it took carlos gray hitting a walk-off homer in the ninth inning and george springer hit the leadoff homer the first time that's happened in uh, major league history in the playoffs so a lot of stuff has gone right for the Astros, but uh, let's talk a little bit about Blake Snell today. Uh, as he was being taken out, uh, I think it was in the fifth inning, he, he basically said, oh, my God, man. So as, uh, as Kevin Cash was taking him out, he was like, oh, my God, man. So he's trying to um, pull out a Dr. McCoy from Star Trek saying, my God, man, you can't do this to me. Yeah. Uh, so um, as a pitcher and at, 
uh, Kevin did Kevin Cash do the right thing, or should he have left his ace in to pitch the rest of the fifth inning? Well, I mean, whether it's his ace or not, he was struggling. Um, you know, going through four innings, he was already getting close to 100 pitches. He was at 82 pitches. Uh, about you know 50% of those were strikes, but not strikes necessarily for strikeouts or outs. They were out over the plate because those count as well. Um, you, you have to go with your gut in a situation like that. And look, they're they're playing for a game to to go to to the next round here to win this to win the series. You can't take a chance on letting your starter go out there and get roughed up. The the Houston bats are hot. Remember we talked about this the first couple of games. Brett, I think you were going to like seriously on suicide watch because, you know, they, they were hitting the ball, but they were just driving them and they were outs and you were getting concerned. We were talking about the concern that everybody was having with that. And I said, look, just stay the course. These guys are going to fall in the first three games. Check this out. They got three, uh, 26 hits in the first three games, 26 hits in the last three games. And how wow. many runs the run differential is significantly higher. That just tells you that the balls are going to fall in. Snell, perfect example tonight. You know, look, he was getting hit a little bit. Threw a lot of pitches. Cash felt it was the right time to pull him out. I, I, you know, I don't know if he could, if it was the second inning, I could see him saying something like, you know, you know, worrying about it or doing your Star Trek quote there. But, uh, you know, I think Cash made the right call. And it's just, you can't give any more room once you see your starter go throwing that many pitches in that few innings. Well, you know, I felt early on when Snell was not commanding the zone the way that Snell knows how to, I mean, you know, we know he's an excellent pitcher. He, he's been one of the best pitchers in the league the last couple of years. But when he was all over the place and he wasn't hitting the spots, and even though the Astros didn't even score until that big fifth inning, um, you knew that that was what the Astros needed. They needed because their bullpen um, had been taxed. And this team just needed a little something. And, what I mean – how about Martin Maldonado laying down probably the most perfect bunt I've seen like in recent memory and right. moving, moving guys over. I mean, this guy, if the Astros can pull this out, I know he was over two today and he's only batting two thirty one on the series, but if there was ever a time to award a guy an MVP of a series, Carlos Correa is probably going to get it because of the home runs, because of who he is. But Martin Maldonado considers to be in consideration for it because of what he does with his pitchers, what he does at the plate, and just the overall leadership that he provides for this team. I mean, super valuable to have him here, Martin Maldonado. Yeah, no, without a doubt. I mean, look, that's um, – it's, it's team unity right there playing, right, and sacrificing whatever it takes to get the runners over, you know, and that's a perfect example. I mean, if that's a lesson that you want to teach kids that are in little league about getting runners over and how important it is, it's not just necessarily talking about getting the guys moving them uh, along the bases. It's about what it does to everybody in the dugout, because that changes the dynamic of that inning guys get fired up that he got it down. He gets the runners over. That's kind of not really expecting that from Maldonado as well. And he lays down that bun is perfect. You know, moving Diaz to second, Gurion goes to third, you know, and then Springer singles up the center, and they, there you go. They start opening it up, and it's kind of like that's small ball, you know, and, and, and it's you don't see a lot of that anymore these days, especially with as much of the percentage that they're playing, all the shifts and everybody on. Um, I like to see that because you see them going for the long ball. You know, they're hitting the jacks now. Those balls are – those line drives are starting to fall in for hits. And then wait a minute, we start laying down some bunts and get the guys over and we do the job by scoring them. And that, that's just a, it's standard book baseball right there. And it's fun to watch. 
Yeah, and I to go off of what y'all were kind of talking about um, about um, uh, um, I can't. <laughs> Maldonado, yeah, I lost my track of thought, but McCullers basically came out and said that he thinks that he is the MVP of the ALDS and the wildcard really? round, and uh, he said probably ALCS, just not what he's done with the bat, but what he's done as a team leader. He's just imagine uh, yesterday set a record for the most rookie pitchers in a postseason game with eight, and for Maldonado to come out there and basically tell Dusty Baker no. Leave Zach Greinke in. Zach Greinke can get the job done. So a lot of people really think that th this guy is a good piece of the puzzle, and I'm glad the Astros went out there to get him. But anything he can offer offensively, that's fine. He bats, what, ninth? Uh, you're not looking for the offense with him, but you're looking for the team leadership. And I think that uh, – for the pitching, I think that Maldonado is the team MVP, but definitely with the hitting and the defense, you got to look at Carlos Correa. But this team has forced a game seven. Who? What's better than a game seven? I guess maybe you could say eating a belt bar or something like that Maybe kind of better than a game seven. Well, you know, I don't know if okay so a, no let's phrase it this way <laughs> you're choking up he's like game seven's way better <laughs> yeah, i was gonna say that a built bar is the game seven of protein bars a built bar is not just a game seven of protein bars it is the game seven victory of protein bars because see there's a lot of other protein bars pretenders paper champs like the yankees who haven't won in over a decade and who stopped them the astros that's right because the astros are the built bar of the protein bar world. And so let's look at this. Built Bar has caramel brownie, cookies and cream, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, almond, apple almond crisp. And one of my favorite flavors is cookies and cream. And I actually had one today. I needed a snack. I got 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and four net carbs because it's a candy bar that's disguised as a protein bar that's disguised <laughs> as a candy bar. It's amazing. I love it. And right now, if you order right now, while supplies last, they give you a free cooler, a little pouch to put your built bar in. We chill them in our fridge. We love them. I can't wait for my new box to come in. Go to builtbar.com, use your promo code locked on, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use a promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. And they say, isn't that one of those bars that like, if you eat any other bar, you kind of feel like you're down by three, but then you know what? You grab a bill bar and then you all of a sudden you're even and you're up. Yeah. I yes. heard about that. There you go. There you go. That's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, speaking of uh, building yourself up, um, I don't know if y'all saw that the fact that um, uh, the Flying Saucer, which is a bar in Houston, they have that. these pinatas that are made out of Mike Fires and then um, uh, John Boy. And it's like, <laughs> it's, it's, you can actually buy this. And I was like, well, can you put a whole bunch of rats in there? So when you hit it, a bunch I of got rats. a question real quick. Is that Flying Saucer? Is that, is that a chain? Do they have those around? They have those in, in various cities, right? I'm not really sure. I know I that's think, popular think, in Houston. I think Flying Saucer, I thought it was a, uh, I thought it was a Houston franchise. Okay. Okay. Because of the yeah, whole yeah. Astros like I've seen thing. Those, I've seen those around and I wasn't sure. I know I've seen it in Houston, but I, I just have a story for when we were in Memphis and it was at a place. I'm pretty sure it was called the Flying Saucer, but okay. I'll save that for another time. Oh, that could have been like a pizza joint, like a Flying Saucer. with. The oh, pizza. no, no. This one. So this was a big restaurant type bar and it had like 
you know, we were there after a game playing the Memphis Redbirds and okay. they had dartboards on the other side of the building. And, you know, we're sitting there having a couple cocktails and the bartender and the owner came over and we were talking about like, I guarantee you a hundred bucks, I could throw it and hit that dartboard. And there was no chance. I mean, it was like 40 yards away. There's all these fans. Anyway, we grab they, the, the owner grabs everybody, stops everything, hands me a dart and I just wing it. And it goes like over the uh, top side of the fans. And all of a sudden you hear thunk, and everybody's like, ah! <laughs> we, hit, yeah. we hit it. But I, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was like one of those moments that uh, stuck <laughs> out because it was a flying saucer. Yeah, it would never happen again. It was pure luck. But uh, awesome. yeah, that place is fun. Yeah. Looking at what Dusty Baker said after game, he says, you got to love this team. Well, some people hate this team, but you got to respect this team. And we're seeing a lot. We're seeing baseball Twitter like flipping out. They're like, oh, I think you mentioned it, Clay, that people want to like the Astros. But because of what happened in 2017, they can't. They've just got this big wall in front of them. And it's just like no matter how likable this team is. And I think this team will be a lot more likable if Alex Bregman would get his mojo back. Uh, but I don't know if Austin Powers has it or what, but something's going on with this guy. So, um, but overall, do you think the Astros have enough to win a game seven versus the Rays versus the game seven legend, Charlie freaking Morton? And um, for thank you for the memories in 2017, but this is 2020. Whatever happens tomorrow, Charlie freaking Morton, I'll still buy you beer if I see you at the, if I see you at the Flying Saucer. I can't even talk. <laughs> he's got that dirty sinker you know look like we said when, when they when they came back and you know then you got career walking them off um and like all those hits that we were talking about that weren't falling in or falling in they have all the momentum in the world and it's one of those things that uh you know like you you, you think about they're, they're they have a chance to to, to really make some more history here uh and i and this is the ball club that can do it do I think they can win tomorrow? Absolutely. These guys are working as a unit. You can talk about, like you said, 2017, all that, all you want to. And that was a lot of chatter. you out there uh, in the media, the, you know, when they were made it to the postseason, but they've silenced the critics. There's nothing that can be disputed at this point. And like they like coming in, making a historic night, being down three games and forcing a game seven, um, yeah, I, I think everybody's kind of like kind of pretty much shut up for the most part. And what, what can you say about the ball club? They're resilient. They're playing hard. They get putting their head down. And I, I like the fact that they're doing it not with a lot of chatter. They're not kind of doing this whole like we were talking about the last couple uh, weeks about the way the game has changed. And uh, just the talking back and forth, you know, they're jabbing. They're like, hey, they're not going to get pushed around, but they're going out there and they're keeping their head down. They're doing their job because they know that they have a little bit of that stain and they're just going out there and winning ball games, man. They're playing good baseball, sound baseball. It's fun to watch. And I think too, what we notice is a change in mindset a little bit. I know that we didn't, we, we kind of hinted at it a little bit, but for like someone like Zach Greinke to say for the first time since he's been in Houston, he felt like they trusted him to stay in the game. Apparently he didn't feel like Hinch trusted his stuff late in games, obviously. And 2019 still looms large on that chance to win the World Series. But not only that, but now you have James Click, you have Dusty Baker, two completely different minds in the front office, a completely different mind at the manager's spot. And who better to come in and say, look, guys, just go out there and play your game. Like, don't listen to them. Like, don't give them what they want. They're going to ask you these stupid questions at the end of games. Don't buy into it. And Carlos Correa, some, I saw several people make comments about Carlos Correa's post-game interview. 
And he wasn't arrogant. He wasn't cocky. He literally said the last thing he said was, but we got a lot of work to do tomorrow. We still got to win. Like he didn't Mm -hmm. go, oh, we got this. We're going to take it. You know, we're in control. He said all the right things. Dusty Baker even said after the game, he said, we're turning a lot of people into baseball fans. There's a lot of people watching. Um, I'm watching these morning shows, you know, right before I go to school. And they're like, well, you know, the Astros are turning heads and the Astros are, you know, surprising a lot of people and they're taking notice. And, you know, here's the thing. This is in spite of um, Alex Bregman right now is looks lost at the plate. I know he's not lost. He's been barreling the ball up, but he just looked frustrated and confused. But that's what a team sport is all about. That's what baseball is all about, is that when one guy is down, the other guys pick him up. And how many people criticize Baker putting in putting in Alebnis Diaz to hit today? And he went two for three. He was right. a big part of the momentum shifting in the favor of the Astros after the one nothing lead by the Rays. So they're making all the right moves. This seems to be like a thing of destiny. We beat a former teammate in Mike Fires in the in the um, athletics. We we beat a former teammate Marmon Gonzalez in the Twins. Now we may possibly, if we can get Game Seven beat another former teammate of the 2017 World Series championship team, I think it just lines up perfectly. Eric, I thought they were going to get to 10 runs today. I was like, man, Eric, <laughs> dude, Clay, Eric came in hot, man. Like he was, he was, he was almost dropping S-bombs on the, on the air. Um, <laughs> he was, he was tweeting out poop emojis. He's like, this isn't me. And I'm like, no, dude, I'm here for Eric. I want to see some S-bombs on Twitter. You know, yeah. I'm all for yeah. it. But the bottom line is this. I said 10 you, to 1 today, by the way. You kind of dropped you, that off. So Okay, my bad, my bad. <laughs> well, well, here's the thing. Bottom line is this. I think the Astros come out on top. I think it's going to be a grind. I know they were up 7 to 4, but at the end of the game, I felt like it was like, we were down by three just because you know what the Rays are capable of. And that's where the Astros had the advantage is they know who their opponent is. I think when you know your enemy, you are a better team and you're better competitively in the end. And so I think they have the upper hand. I think the Astros go out and I don't know, um, we may do predictions towards the end, but I, I definitely think we get game seven. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I think you're, I think you're correct in that assumption and, and an analysis in terms of uh, getting game seven, they have all the momentum right now. Um, you know, when you talk about Dusty Baker and, and that front office, uh, the, the changes that were made and what I, it was interesting to see what was going to happen because um, making that big of an, a big of a change, changing the brass uh, you know, that some of that stuff takes years, years for it to kind of roll down. But they made, they made the right decision with Dusty Baker. He's a player's manager, okay? Now, if there's anybody out there that could have come in um, and, and, and showed a very, very capable ball club, because call it what you want to in 2017, you still got to put the bat on the ball. You still got to go out there and throw strikes, bottom line. And then the reality of, uh, of anything, it's just like the essence of sports. There's always some t- somebody's trying to gain an edge. That's, it's been like that since you know, the Greek game started and, and it's always about getting an edge. Unfortunately with Houston, they just got caught with their hand in the cookie jar. I'm not going to say other teams are doing it, but I'm not going to also say they're not trying either. They just got caught and it, it was unfortunate. And Dusty Baker was able to come in and, and pretty much, you know, play damage control, you know, and start, start to kind of like run traffic with these guys. 
everybody bought into what he was saying. And, and like I said, man, I, you've heard, you've heard the, uh, the post-game interviews. You've heard the interviews with just him, him talking, period. This guy's smooth. And he knows how to talk. And he's old school. And he's a player's manager. I would honestly say that tomorrow the, the guys are going out there. They're not playing necessarily just to win for themselves as a team. These guys are trying to win it for Baker. And when you have a manager that's like that, when you when you got a skipper that's up there and you want to go to war with them and he's going to go to war for you in the media with the front office, stick with you during the game like he did with Grinky, which was an old school move. You don't see that a lot these days. That's what they go out and they do. They go out and they play behind. You play harder. You know, Bochi was like that with San Francisco. It was like if I felt terrible, it was like, you know what? I just wanted to lay it on the line for Skip. And that's exactly how they feel for Dusty. I had the opportunity to play for Dusty. And I know that the guys are out there. You want to talk about mindset, though. This is what it's about. You know, it's like these guys just like that, just like this, not dead, can't quit. That's exactly what they're doing here in Houston. And they're showing everybody right now. Uh, that they do have that fight in them. They have that, that mindset that means to, to be a world champion, black eye or not. You know, it's all about, like, learning lessons, correct? You know, you, you make a mistake. They made a mistake as a team in 2017. They had to put their head down, pick themselves back up, and they're showing the nation right now that, hey, that wasn't a fluke. We have a team that's resilient. We have a team that's young, and we got some big league guys out there that are controlling the ball club. Bregman, you talk about this. You're, you're, you're concerned about the on-field play, but what I see – I see him being a leader because what he's not doing at the plate, he is still doing defensively and he's doing it in the locker room. He was the guy that rounded up everybody. Let's watch the 2004 Boston Red Sox and that motivated them. That's when the fire started lighting it up. And that's, that's big. That's something that's an intangible that you're not going to see as a fan, but in the locker room that, that speaks volumes. And it's probably one of the biggest reasons that they were able to turn this, this, uh, this series around. And Carlos Gray, after the game, says it doesn't matter if they don't win tomorrow's game. It mean, it means nothing. We've got to go out and win that game. And when uh, he was asked about how the Rays feel after being up three nothing and then being back in this position being three three, they said, "Well, uh, they probably uh, what do you say? They probably didn't want this to happen, but um, I'm sh- I'm sure they didn't want to be in this position when they went up. They were up uh, three three to zero, oh, but here we are. Both teams are going to go out there and battle." And it's going to be one last team standing and it's either going to be the Astros or the Braves. So I know a lot of people are like, I mean, sorry, not Astros or the race. And one of those teams will be facing the Braves or the Dodgers. Is there one particular team that you think, assuming uh, that you think the Astros would match up better with, or do we just want the Dodgers to come back tonight? I think they're two, one last time I checked, but uh, just to kind of extend the series, get them to use some of their pitchers a little bit more? Or is there a team that you think the Astros match up better against? You know, the, both ball clubs over there, uh, you know, are are pretty legit ball clubs. I would honestly say that I think that Atlanta's going to end up sneaking this one out. They, they have a lot of similarities to, to what Houston is, you know, with a lot of youth um, and a lot of guys out there that are playing with a lot of passion. I mean, with, uh, you know, Kershaw – still not really being able to get it done in the postseason. It doesn't feel like that big of a threat on this side of the table, right? You know, but, but you know, being there on the field, you guys like that, you know that any given night, whether they've had a, um, a tough postseason career or even tough postseason uh, series, that there's still major, major threats out there on the mound. Uh, the offense has lit up for Atlanta, but it's also done the same at times sporadically for, for L.A., 
Um, I, I, LA feels to me like they're limping into this thing, and they're, 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 I don't really feel like they're out there putting people away. They're not driving the ball like you see Atlanta doing. Um, I, I think Atlanta's probably going to win that, and I, I think it's going to be a Houston-Atlanta World Series. Uh, it's kind of what I'm, I'm envisioning, but they still got to get through tomorrow. Yeah. They're not even really thinking about that series. They're thinking about the potential. Let them, they'll probably be thinking about it after they get a W tomorrow because I think that momentum is going to keep carrying into tomorrow's game. Tampa's got everything, everything to lose tomorrow and all the pressures on that ball club. Um, I think you can see the Houston Astros as they're playing defensively, what they're doing when they get that third out, getting the double plays when they're supposed to after a guy gets walked with Diaz. Just, I mean, it, everything is just sound. It's all starting to match up and – like I said, from the beginning of this series, they just stayed the course. They kept driving the ball. They didn't really change much of anything. Just things were falling in. They were still continuing to hit the home runs. And like I said, they split the same amount of hits first three games and the last three games with 26. Five runs coming off those first three games and 15 runs the last three. Uh, and just driving the ball, same amount of hits. So I think that the pitching has uh, picked it up tremendously. I, I think the bullpen, young bullpen, coming into a series like this, being down three and, and showing the poise that they have. It's a lot. It says a lot about the character of this ball club. And it says a lot about Dusty Baker and the guys like Bregman that aren't doing it on the field. They're still doing it off the field and playing an impact. And that's, that's how, that's how championships are won. Yeah. You know, Dusty Baker before the game was being interviewed by, I believe Steve Sparks um, on the radio. And, and they asked Dusty Baker, like, you know, how do you, how do you keep, how do you keep these guys motivated? How do you keep focus or, you know, what is, what is your focus going into the game? Are y'all like, are you feeling more comfortable that you won these two games? And he said, no, he goes, he goes, um, the pressure's still on us. And oh, yeah. he said, he said, these guys are used to pressure. They actually thrive off of pressure. Right. And so when they were, when they were talking about it back and forth, Robert Ford and Steve Sparks, they were saying, you know, Dusty Baker knows to keep applying the pressure because he's seen when they're backed into a corner, what they have the ability to right. do. And not every team has the ability to do that. To me, that's what separates great athletes from good athletes. And I've mentioned this before. And, and, you know, the great athletes are the ones that can get past their mistakes. that can get past the discouragement in the Astros. Don't just have one person or two. They have a plethora. They have more players on this team that have resiliency than I've got fingers on both hands. And that is what is key. And I think that's what carries them into the World Series, winning this game seven. But don't be fooled by the Rays because the Rays are going to come out scrapping tomorrow. The Rays are going to come out, you know. Um, they don't want to be embarrassed. No, they don't. I mean. Well, you know, hey, look, on that, though, like real yeah. quick, the, the embarrassment of it, I mean, they would probably have more of an ego that would be that we'd be crushed, but you can't be embarrassed of the play. This has just been some solid baseball all the way around from both ball clubs. And I got to say for uh, maybe probably one of the better series that I've seen, except for when we were, you know, towing it up ourselves. Uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch. And I don't think anybody's going to take this lightly at all tomorrow. Yeah. Definitely. All right. So uh, we got about five minutes left. So let's go and do our predictions for tomorrow's game. 
I think uh, I predicted 10 to 1 yesterday. I, I thought I was, it was going <laughs> to happen. And I'm pretty sure I said Kyle Tucker was going to hit a homer, but I don't, I don't really remember. You did. You did call Kyle Tucker's home run. Okay. So, but uh, I think that overall, I think tomorrow's going to be a much closer game. I think it's going to be not necessarily pitcher's duel, but it's going to be something like a 5 to 4 or a 4 to 3 victory for the Houston Astros, something like that. Okay. Okay. I think it's, I think it's going to be, um, I think it's going to be five to four Astros. Um, I think it's going to be a close game. Um, I think that the Rays probably score first again, like they did today. And then the Astros just come back and battle with these pitchers and you get guys um, in the lineup, um, you know, hitters, hitters six on down, you know, you get Tucker uh, are really, you know, I want to see Guriel get a hit in the series. I mean, not in the series, in this game. Um, I think, I think that would be huge. I think it would be huge if Bregman and Guriel both were able to kind of get off the schneid from going over today. And so I see a five to four win, but I feel like the five to four win tomorrow is going to feel more solid. Like we're going to have more confidence because the Rays just aren't going to be able to finish, finish things off. They're not going to, they may score early then later on. I think we shut them down because the pitchers are going to be balls to the wall tomorrow. So I'm saying five four Astros. They're going to their second World Series in in actually their third World Series in four years. I think it's going to be a hit parade tomorrow. That's my personal opinion. And I think the guy that's going to be your breakout guy is the guy we're talking about right now. I think Bregman's going to go out there. I think he's going to get a few knocks. I think he's going to hit a home run to left field. He's going to get that short porch, that line drive that he likes to do. And I think that he's going to be the the, the one that my, he's my pick to click for sure at the at the dish. Um, and I think it's going to be some run scored. I think everybody's going to go out there. I think they're going to be trying to ambush early. You got to get some runs on the board uh, and try to get ahead. And I see the Astros. It's going to be a seven to three victory. Okay. Houston. So as long as it's not a game five in the World Series of 2017. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that was, was that was stressful. And but the back and forth, back and forth thing when it's high scoring game. But yeah, the Astros, they have the momentum on their side and they have uh, Lance McCullers, who's been there. He's done this before. But so is Charlie freaking Morton. So this is going to be who does it better tomorrow. And I think that uh, do you think that they bring in Zach Grinke at the end of the game? Everybody, or- hey, tomorrow it's all hands on deck. Right. That's just the way it is. He every as everybody walks into the locker room tomorrow, uh, that's on that pitch. Even size need. Everybody, everybody's gonna be all hands on deck. This is what you play for. This is the this is this is what if you're gonna go and you're gonna blow out. This is where you blow out, right. and you worry about the series after that because there may not be one. But they have a lot riding on this. I don't think they're really thinking about anything other than going out there and stomping out Tampa Bay. And Tampa Bay's thinking the same thing. Like I said, hit parade tomorrow. All right, so uh, that's all we got for tonight's Locked On Astros podcast. Clay, where can I find you on Twitter and uh, what, the sign at behind? At Henley thirty two on Twitter and at Clay Hensley on Instagram. All right, cool. So uh, we're all predicting Astros go ahead and take get the win tomorrow. Hopefully, it's going to be an exciting game. It's probably going to be a stressful game. So make sure you have some <laughs> friends there to kind of cry on their shoulders uh, when things don't go well. But this is what the Astros are here for you're here for a game seven and then then go on to the world series hopefully but one day at a time and that's tomorrow so uh don't forget to go check out the locked on rays podcast and see what they're saying about the astros i'm sure they're saying great things about us right about now and um 
basically Framer Valdez, uh, Carlos Correa told Framer Valdez, don't worry about being a bigger man out there. Just go out there and get the W. And that's what Framer Valdez did. Uh, he had nine Great strikeouts job. tonight. He relied a lot on curveball. And I think that's what you need to beat the race. So uh, that's all we got for tonight's Locked on Astros podcast. And we'll talk to you tomorrow.